You are listening to Geek Fest Rants on the IC Robots Radio Network. You have located Geek Fest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. It's a single blast, source unknown. Lieutenant Worf checks weapon systems. Captain Picard orders full shields from Lieutenant LaForge in engineering. Suddenly there is an alien presence on the ship. It's one of the Borg, a hostile robotic life form. Commander Riker returns phaser fire. Star Trek, the next generation action figures from planning. Everybody and welcome once again to GeekFest Rants. My name is Carlos Perone, and today, as you can see, we're doing something a little different. Uh, we are experimenting with video. Normally, you guys can hear us. Today, you'll be able to see us. Uh, the specific subject that we're handling today is Star Trek Borg action figures, primarily Playmates. Now, this little experiment that we're running today. Uh, might not necessarily be on every episode that we'll do from now on. We might be doing this only on certain special episodes where there's a lot of visuals involved. So it might be a better fit for that. And this would be possibly the best example to be able to test it out because we're going to be talking about action figures. And primarily we're going to do the Playmates line of Borg figures, but we are going to have some additional ones in the mix towards the end of the show that expand, you know, for all of you who collect uh, Borg type of action figures, you'll have a couple here or there to look at. So let's get started with Star Trek Borg action figures. You can collect them all! You are a toy! is not included. Get those wonderful toys. Details on specially marked packages at participating stores. Is that the Six Million Dollar Man's boss? It's Oscar Goldman. Why do you have that? That's worth a lot of money. That's much more valuable than Steve Austin. Action figures each sold separately. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. Some assembly required. All your favorite Star Wars heroes and villains. I have three of each, one to display, one to open, and one just in case. Today I want to look at a specific series of action figures, Star Trek Playmates. And I'm going to try to do them in sections, you know, in different installments, because as you very well know, or might not know, Playmates was a huge line. For Star Trek. It was probably the most successful line ever made for Star Trek. This is because in the past, you know, other lines tried to do Star Trek figures, starting off with the Miko line. Obviously, everything, <laughs> a lot of stuff starts with Miko. Uh, you know, they had the larger doll slash figure sized ones. Then later we got the small three and three quarter, you know, Star Wars styled kind of figures in all different shapes and forms 
there were attempts at the movie ones, also Amigo. You know, different different manufacturing style. Not very successful. Not of them. A lot of them didn't get past first or second waves. Certain movies were skipped. <laughs> you know, the the first movie was kind of a bust. Eh, more or less, it just wasn't what they expected it to be. But they had figures. The second movie, they kind of didn't have figures. The third movie, they had figures. They kind of seemed to always be missing the boat, you know, on when to release figures for the movies. They keep, you know, the problem could have been enhanced uh, by the fact that they seem to be releasing figures only when the least liked movies would come out. Uh, you know, Star Trek has this long history of the the curse of the uh, odd number of films. You know, the even number of films are usually the ones that are more successful. But it just happens that whenever they were releasing figures, they were releasing them with the odd number movies. So again, that's neither here or there. I mean, that's that's what it's what it is. But there were attempts at launching these waves, but they, like I said before, they they usually never get past, you know, the first wave stage, and then they just kind of fizzle and die. And I would say all the way up to next generation, they even put out a series of three and three quarter inch style figures. And even a giant, in my opinion, like Hasbro. Again, this is back in, in the early days of Star Trek The Next Generation. Put out a series of figures, which didn't seem to, again, get really too much traction. They, they put out, I don't know, I don't even remember if it was one or two waves, but they kind of, again, fizzled out again. Uh, completely different. So this leads us to 1992. 1992, uh, let me think, where was I in 92? I was uh, doing my last year of college, and I had a friend that was, you know, he's a big Star Trek, Star Wars kind of, kind of guy, and, you know, we, we were b both into, you know, Star Trek, and, you know, we were enjoying it, specifically like the next generation, and if I remember correctly, uh, because we were about to graduate, I bought, I think I bought him a Borg figure, and I bought myself a Borg figure. Because, you know, I felt that was a really cool character, you know, from the show. And this is from Playmates we're talking about here. Playmates had put out a wave of figures, which, again, you know, based on the history of what happens <laughs> with Star Trek action figures, I, I really could not have predicted what direction this whole thing could have gone. Now, these figures are about four, let me see. About four and a half inches, so they're like a slightly bigger than Star Wars, obviously. A little bit, just a little bit bigger than Star Wars figures. They're way more detailed than Star Wars figures, way more full of accessories. And I, I was, you know, again, coming off of collecting figures, you know, I, I wasn't that deep into collecting ever since Star Wars. Up until that point, I kind of had given up on collecting action figures. But they had done a really good job with these figures. They were really nice looking. And I might have thought, not entirely sure at this point, but I might have thought, you know what? It's just 10 figures. You know, that's all I'll get. And I mean, the, those are famous, famous last words for any type of toy collector, or action figure collector or whatever. I figured, you know what? It's a spread of figures. It was Picard, Troy, Data, Worf, Riker, LaForge. And then you had a Borg, a Ferengi, a Romulan, and a Klingon. So it's a good representation of the show. You don't have every single star of the show. You know, you don't have every single player of the show. And you don't have every single creature of the show. But it's a good representation of what the show was about. 
I do remember that the Anna Troy figure was a very hard figure to find, even back then. So already off the bat, they were introducing a <laughs> a hard to find figure. But that's a story for another day. Today, I want to talk about the Borg figure and just in general, the Borg figures that were released around that time and, and that I ended up collecting. Now, let's keep in mind that there are more figures out there. There are more dolls, there are more statues, there's more representations of the Borg. And Playmates, at least, was my first introduction into them. The Borg, obviously, is a very iconic figure of the next generation. You know, it's, I would say, if the, the classic bad guy for the original Trek is a Klingon, or even to a certain extent, a Romulan, but more of a Klingon. Klingons were really the big, gigantic baddies that have prevailed, you know, through time in terms of them coming back for every single reboot and remake and extension of the franchise for the original show. I would say the Borg is the standout, originally created character, bad guy character, bad guy race, if you will, for this new show. And I would go as far as to say that, you know, it is it was such a popular character to have that it even expanded on the other incarnations of the show. Granted, they didn't want to overdo it, and at times they did overdo it. But if you think about it, this was also the primary bad guy for the first full-blown Next Generation film, First Contact. It's all about the Borg, you know, if you think about it. So you really can't disagree of its place in Star Trek lore. So this figure comes with a base, which is really cool because a lot of times you have a lot of problems trying to pose these figures without them falling down. But what they did with these Star Trek figures was that they gave you a base, pretty nice hefty base, that would have the symbol of whatever affiliation, let's say, that character was a part of. So, granted, you know, Borgs are not necessarily going to be walking around with insignias or, or rank things. So they created this symbol, which I don't even remember exactly if it does show up. I mean, I, the, the symbol looks familiar. It might have been in, in a flag for one of those uh, lore episodes, which, again, we'll talk about lore a little later, where he's trying to kind of create his own army of Borgs or something like that. But again, for whatever reason, they had to give it something. And this is something that happens with this line quite a bit, is that when you have a figure that doesn't have a direct symbol displayed in the show, they, they have to create something in order to give the base something of a shape. <laughs> you need a, they, they, they weren't just going to produce bases that were completely shapeless or generic. So the easy thing for them to do was, for example, anybody Federation related, they would give them an communicator symbol the next generation communicator symbols. Okay, that was an easy one. But then when you start to get to the alien races, for example, the Romulans get a Romulan symbol uh, for their base. The Ferengi get a Ferengi symbol. The Klingons, they get the, the Klingon symbol because it's, it's a little more uh, rich in terms of uh, there is more there to pick from. So they actually did, you know duplicated that the Klingon emblem, if you will. So for the Borg, they did create a, a, a stand that is they supposed to be the, the Borg symbol. So that's cool. Now, as I mentioned before, what's really, really cool about this figure is that it's very, very articulated. I mean, I couldn't tell you. Let's see. When you're used to a five-point of articulation figure, and this one has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 
I'm going to say 13 points of articulation, but it's very possible that I'm missing something because it is so articulated. It's just ridiculous. And what's really, really super cool about this figure is that it comes with a number of attachments that you could swap out for its arms. So the figure itself, you know, packaged comes with, let's see, the left hand is like a claw looking glove that he's wearing. And the right hand is a prosthetic, you know, an attachment, a device, a mechanical silver device that is supposed to be like some kind of pincer or something. I don't know, some kind of tool. But you can snap that piece off and substitute it with some of these other attachments, which is really cool. Now, granted, you can't, uh, you know, you can't go crazy because then you'll be attaching and reattaching all day. But, you know, it has, the, it has that. It also has a lot of tubes, piping, that go from his body from one part of his body to another part of his body. So it has a lot of that too. Again, helping with the realism and, and the detail, you know, the, the, uh, the amazing detail that they went into producing this character. Very, very well done. I, was, I would probably say that the Bork figure is probably the one that got me into the collection. Like I mentioned earlier, again, I could be imagining things, but it might have been the reason why, you know, because I wanted to buy this for my friend and for myself, you know, we were tight back then. This was kind of like a good, you know, graduation, you know, goodbye, I might never see you again type of thing that, you know, we have this connection of. And I think there was like a joke going around at the time because of my relationship with this individual, you know, that it was like a bore kind of relationship. Like we were always in step when it came to our fandom and how we felt about certain things. So it was kind of like an in-joke also, because I think some people might have even compared us to that sort of thing, you know, to, to a bore kind of behavior as a joke, obviously. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, we've gone in different ways and, and in many, many ways we could not be more different. <laughs> All throughout these years, uh, we have changed so much. I don't know if you can call it change, but discovered more about ourselves in so radically different directions when it comes to certain things. But we do still have something in common is that our fanboy, you know, obsessions are usually still there, you know, with a fire that's like glowing really bright. But even in our fandom, we've gone in different directions too, in terms of how our, our particular fandoms satisfy our need for collecting and for enjoying the collection. You know, we enjoy f collecting in two different ways, completely two different ways. We do almost everything in dif differently, but we do have this connection that we can, we can make when we choose to, you know, regarding certain things that are really, really pleasant about collecting, you know, that we've, we've had in common back then. But now, now things are very, very different. I think that was the whole reason behind the Borg figure, the reason why it kind of started for me with this Borg figure. Well, as the line developed, you know, little by little, they started selling more and selling more. And I did the typical, the typical, you know, falling into that hole <laughs> that happens sometimes that happened to me, you know, I can't help it. It happened. It just, I fell into that completest hole, which you know, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult thing because once you start down that, once you start down that path, <laughs> forever it will dominate your destiny. No kidding. Wrong franchise, but that is just, 
And, you know, Playmates was one of these uh, things that kind of, when I was done with Playmates, I was like, okay, I can, as much as I enjoy this, I cannot do this again because Playmates became a monster in terms of trying to keep up with it, variants, you know, international exclusives. Oh my God. If you think Star Wars was completely insane, Star Trek really, really upped the ante on that one. Uh, you got to remember also that this is the early 90s. This is before Star Wars, the modern Star Wars that we know now, kicked into high gear. This is before the prequels. Remember, this is a period in time where Lucas is considering coming out of retirement because he's retired a couple of times, I think. And, you know, Jurassic Park... All of a sudden, Jurassic Park hits, and he starts to feel that the special effects in Jurassic Park are so good, which they were, that he might be able to incorporate this into Star Wars now, into making Star Wars in a more economical way. Up to this point, you know, he's got the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and he's experimenting, you know, with production values being much lower, and he's thinking, well, maybe we can do something about this. The marketplace is ripe for toys. You know, people are buying Playmates. Playmates is growing and growing and growing and all these waves are coming and they're actually successful. Like I said before, this is right around the time, uh, you know, when he's ready to start working on these special editions and, and, you know, all the signs, you know, the perfect storm is brewing. There's an interest in toys. There's an interest in Star Wars. There's an interest in films. Technology is caught up. There's a resurgence of Star Wars interest. So... This is happening around that time. But because Star Wars hadn't kicked in, the second phase of Star Wars, the post-Dark Time Star Wars, I focused on Playmates because Star Trek was a, was a hot commodity for me. You know, you, you had multiple shows. I don't even remember how many shows were running around, around that time. But as you will see, this line went from the beginning of Next Gen all the way to, I think, to Voyager think so because by the time we get to enterprise it's another company now owning it because at this point while we get to enterprise they're a different size they're they're manufactured different they're a completely different animal so we move on to the second wave which comes out a year later but guess what the second wave is not just a few figures the second wave comprised of about 23 figures this is huge this is like Twice as much as what the first wave was. And if I remember right, I think they distributed the wave throughout the year. I don't think they just blew it all out in one shot. But it was just a, an amazing collection of figures. And all these figures also came now with a little, like a little card. Like, a, I don't know if it was Tops or I forget what company exactly had them. And the cards also contained, some had like a little, like a card I don't know if it was Tops or Fleer or whatever company back then it was, or if it was completely original, I don't remember. But it might include a card or a Porg. If you remember those cardboard Porgs that people used to play with, the Space Caps or something like that, I don't remember exactly what they were called. And sometimes they also included a little catalog, you know, hiding behind the card of other accessories that were available, you know, having to do with the series, including pictures of some future stuff that was coming, including Deep Space Nine, 
and original Star Trek. So they were kind of already previewing what was coming down the line. But what's important about the second wave is, uh, aside from the fact that I, I, I did, you know, I did pick them all up because again, I was, I was crazy. I, I got the, the collecting bug and, and I was picking them all up one at a time. I remember we used to go on these toy runs to mainly Toys R Us and sometimes we would just find everything and sometimes see my friend used to work at Toys R Us I think I told the story before when he was young so he knew like where they kept stuff so if he couldn't find somebody to go and and search the back I remember once just once he took it upon himself to go and see if he could find stuff in the back I don't remember we didn't get in trouble but I do remember him coming I think he came out of the back room <laughs> with an employee and I think I, I guess what must have happened was that he was able to find somebody because he I don't think he was going to go all the way through and find the boxes himself but he was able to find somebody that grabbed a box and brought it out there and I was able to grab a whole mess of these I don't I think I don't not not all 23 of them but a lot of them in one shot which was this only one time that we were able to get this lucky when it comes to you know buying these things so this particular wave, once again, uh, aside from the, the huge amount of figures, it came with a couple of Borgs. Uh, now remember, because this, this, this wave of figures, they're not keeping up with what's happening on TV. TV is already, a lot of things have happened in TV already. By 1993, you know, when, when this particular wave is out, you know, we have Next Generation still kind of going. We have Deep Space Nine has already started. So we do have that overlap of shows. In the movies, Final Frontier has already premiered, and The Undiscovered Country has also come out. So we are kind of finishing with the old traditional, you know, classic Trek, if you will. And we're, we're definitely moving forward with new Trek. So they do have the luxury here, which is really lucky for them, that they have almost the entire line of characters available. You know, Star Trek Next Generation is going to go on for just a little bit longer, but they can pick from just about everywhere, you know, from, from many, many seasons worth of material and characters to create these figures. So, for example, you know, part of the second wave, you have Locutius, which is the Picard version of the Borg. One of the best episodes. I mean, man, talk about a highlight of the series in different ways, uh, as, as I mentioned before, this is one of the things that made the Borg such a standout foe in the mythology of Star Trek. Those episodes where Picard becomes Borgified and they have to kind of get him back to being human and, you know, and the, the, the traumatic effects afterwards of his conversion, they made a figure out of Locutius. And once again, they have the same kind of base for this figure as they did with the first Borg. But now what they've introduced into the basis is the name of the character, which is a very smart idea because they kind of had that on the first wave of figures, but only on the Federation characters. So, for example, the Ferengi or the Klingon or the Borg for the first wave, they didn't bother to put a little sticker, you know, what to, showing us what they were. They just gave you they just gave us the insignia base. Now, by the time we get to the second wave, they are introducing stickers into the base itself, just like they did with the other one. So that's kind of neat. With the Picard figure, it is a completely new sculpt, which is one of the best things about this figure, is that they didn't just recycle the Borg figure from the previous year and give him a new head, because that is something that could be done, and that is something that will be done later, repainting a figure. 
But for Locutius, I'm very glad that they went all out and gave him a fresh sculpt. That particular sculpt that they made for him will not be seen again. You know, it's only made for him. His head is completely, obviously, fresh because he's got all the Borg implants on them. He's got tubes. He's got special tools. And just like in previous Borgs, you have attachments that you can exchange, uh, especially for that right arm. The right arm is the one that uh, usually you can switch all the different attachments on. Again, excellent figure. Very well made. And another thing that I noticed that is also part of the other one, uh, the, the, the original one, is that it does have multiple pig holes, little tiny holes in the back so that you could switch around some of the tubing some of those uh tubes that come you know that's part of the costume so if you wanted to change the location you could do that so that's your locutious now in this wave they also have listed another board it looked like practically exactly like the one from the first wave it, to me it again it looks very much like the first one i don't understand if there's a difference Again, because I, I don't even think the colors look different. Now, part of this set includes Lore, which is Data's, you know, twin double. I have him displayed as part of this Borg thing. Obviously, not because he's a Borg, but because he's kind of a Borg leader. You know, during some of these episodes where he kind of takes over some remnants of Borg, and they're kind of working with him, for him, under his control. So, I... I I wanted to include him in there, even though, like I said, I know he's not a Borg. He is an android, <laughs> but not a Borg. But story-wise, it, it kind of made sense to kind of put him there a little bit. You know, not 100% there, but I put him there. And this is a figure that actually does come with a Starfleet base. It says lore on it. Uh, he did have some accessories, some machine accessories, but I didn't bother displaying them because... Again, he's such a minimal character as far as I'm concerned, but he is linked to the Borg, you know, on those episodes, which they, you know, they obviously they used a, a data head and they, they, they did a, a completely new body, obviously. Looks really good. Interesting little character. But, you know, that's wave two, which was which is a pretty big wave when you think about it. The following year, 1994, we have another wave of figures. This time it's a little more manageable wave, if you will. We don't have that huge spike of figures that we have the previous year. Lots of different characters from, from the entire run, you know, of Star Trek. You know, secondary characters, characters in different costumes. So, you know, it's, it's really interesting how they managed to pick a selection of really different, really different characters. But amongst these characters, we have yet another Borg. And this is Hugh the Borg. If you remember the episode with Hugh, which is that young Borg that eventually becomes a leader of a separate Borg group. Once again, fantastic job, you know, with the sculpt. It's another original sculpt because the character is younger, so he has to look a little thinner, you know, less bulkier than the other ones, but still with plenty of, you know, accessories and all kinds of little knickknacks all over his body. Really, really good job. I mean, the the face like this is even fantastic, How how good they got it. The bases now, like I said before, they come with the name of the character on the base. So we're getting a different style with that too. So that's kind of neat. He's got a, a green eye, which is really nice. Really, really nice. And, you know, the body proportions are slowly getting better and better. They, the progression of the detail that they go to seems to be catching up a little bit. At first, some of these characters looked a little too beefy, which is something that... Star Wars will, my God, crash and 
I don't want to say burned, but they definitely crashed in the beginning of how beefy they were making, uh, you know, these 90s versions of Star Wars figures to look like almost He-Man figures, how ridiculously over-muscled they were. But with Star Trek, I, I do notice that, that the detail grows. And that's fantastic when you have a line where you kind of see the progression of how much better they get year after year. This happened with the original Kenner line of Star Wars figures, and this is now happening with Star Trek. The difference between a generic Borg and Picard as Locutius and Hugh, again, you, you see the progression of the detail. The sculpts are so much better. They're getting so much better at this. I don't know if it's different sculptors or just doing things a little more accurately or what the heck it is, but they are getting better and better every year as you progress through the line. In 1995, they put out another wave of 13 figures, and by now, we are reaching the end of Star Trek Next Generation. Some of these figures are all good thing figures, which is the final episode of Star Trek. So we, we kind of can tell that they're starting to wind down, but remember, at the same time, we have other properties going on. And one interesting figure to look at here is a re-release of Locutius. They did something called the Hologram series, and the best as I can tell, because I never owned one, is that they re <laughs> they retook the Locutius figure and they kind of painted or chromed certain parts of his armor, his Borg armor, so that it's shiny, chrome, silvery. I don't own any of those. Again, it's a uh, it's a little goofy if you think about it. I think. Because it's called Holodeck Series, it, it might have something to do with being in the Holodeck so that they look a little shinier. I don't know. The bottom line is it's just a repaint. That's the bottom line. And everybody, all these toy companies sooner or later do that. They, do, they go for the repaint and just label it as something else. Even Star Wars has done it, you know, with Hasbro. So there's really nothing to write home about. So now as this is happening, the previous year, they already start off with Generations figures because now we have another movie out. Nothing to do with the Borg, so no big deal. Nothing for us to have to go crazy over. Deep Space Nine figures start coming out. Again, nothing to go over, nothing to get crazy over because they were no Borg, at least significantly. As far as action figures were concerned, they didn't bother to go the Borg route. Now what's interesting is that even after Next Generation is over, by 1990, I don't know, 1994, 1995, they start changing the cards, looks of Playmates to, I guess, to signify the end of the line and the introduction of figures that were never made to continue the next generation line. And in this assortment, if you will, they are now kind of mixing, they are starting to mix these different properties together. Next generation... DS9, classic Star Trek too. So they're, they're kind of consolidating everything under one umbrella, if you will. So first wave comes through. And again, this is kind of like a 94, 95 wave, a secondary wave that they created. Not much in terms of Borg, but they do release as part of the second wave of that particular 1995-ish line, what they call the Borg Interstellar Action Series. The Borg as part of the Interstellar Action Series. And again, once again, we have a typical kind of repaint scenario, I think, where they take the uh, existing figure and they chrome him up even more. Similar to that holodeck Picard. Well, here's a Borg that's completely full of, of chrome, but they don't call it holodeck. Now they call it international action series, which again, I don't know. It's just another another scam way of trying to get people to 
by an already released figure. But this is a neat line, you know, wave three, wave four. Now you're getting uh, classic Kirk. You know, you're starting to get, you know, more uh, all good things kind of figures. So they're they're It's really cool that they're going deep into into older stuff. Hell, they even have Captain Pike from the original series. You know, they're 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 bouncing like crazy, and it is, and the quality, like I mentioned before, keeps getting better and better. Some of these figures are just fantastic. Now, here's where it gets a little interesting. By the time we get to Wave Six of this particular line, and we're talking about 19, we're, we're now we're moving forward as these waves are coming out. You know, of the, of these lines, 1995, 1996. By the time we hit 1997, I'm starting to see some Voyager figures. But you got to remember that the, the, these things kind of run parallel to each other. So there is this line that tries to unify everything and tries to supplement. They try to give you extra that are not individual lines. It was a little confusing at that time, I remember, because there were so many things coming at you at the same time that it was it was kind of getting <laughs> a little nerve-wracking. The Mugatu, you know, from the original series. Uh, Harry Mudd, you know, all forms of Spock's you know, it was just, it was it was kind of nuts, to tell you the truth. And now we have what's called the Warp Factor series. By this time, which is really, uh, I don't know, 97, 98, what's happening is that they have so many properties running at the same time. Once again, you got DS9 still running, you got Voyager still running, and they are pumping out figures for not just those, but all the previous ones, too. Uh, they're even inventing figures now at this point. Uh, you have movies, you have, uh, you, you name it. It's they're, they're doing it. They're just going crazy. And once again, this is done in waves now. So they're not really isolating certain things anymore. They're just combining them. So what they have now is something called the Warp Factor series, uh, which obviously combines everything into one line. You go through wave one, you got a lot of my God, DS9, you go through Wave 2, which has a lot of Voyager, it has the motion picture, it has Next Generation, Wave 3, again, you just go crazy. They even have something called Cadet Data and Cadet Crusher. I mean, really, do they, I, I don't understand, I really don't understand, they have Cadet versions. I don't understand why that was necessary, because they had so many other characters that they didn't really have to invent characters now at this point, but hey. Whatever, I'm pretty sure I picked them up anyway. Wave 4, all over the place. Some DS9, some original Star Trek. Wave 5 is where it gets interesting, and it kind of brings us back to our topic. Wave 5, uh, alongside original versions of Kirk and Spock, we have the Borg Queen. So this is interesting, because theoretically, yes, I know that the Borg Queen made an appearance in the television series later on, but to me, this Borg Queen looks more to be representing of the movie First Contact. Now, this is really interesting because, and we're going to talk about this, First Contact had its own series of action figures that were much larger than this, but the Borg Queen was never made. They chose to make the Borg Queen as part of this smaller, you know, four and a quarter inch or whatever it was, a line of figures. And here's where things get a little nutty. Well, not that bad, but it's just just weird. Things always get weird. <laughs> the Borg Queen is an amazing figure. It's got multiple points of articulation. But the best feature about it is that you can actually snap open the chest area and remove the torso of the queen like you did in the movie. You know, with that... Uh, biomechanical kind of uh, spine attached to it. Uh, the likeness is 
spot on. Again, the sculpt is amazing. Obviously, it's a completely original sculpt. Nobody's ever done this before. It is just incredible how good it was made. It's a fantastic figure. Amazing. The base uses the the darker shade of you know the reverse colors like they did with with the, that other alternative Borg that I have. But now they remove the name <laughs> for whatever reason. At this point, they no longer include the name on the base. It's like okay, that's an interesting little choice. And now the other character that they introduce here as part of this wave is Seven of Nine, which is the Borgified Seven of Nine, the completely Borg version. And once again, like the Alien Queen, fantastic. The sculpt is amazing, completely original. All kinds of attachments, you know, to, you know, her Borgified version of her. I would say the head is a little slightly off. But again, because she's wearing so much makeup, it's it's really splitting hairs, if you will. No, no pun intended. I don't think she has any hair. It's just fantastic. Again, they did not recycle pieces. They did not just take the Borg Queen and, and repaint her, you know, as Seven of Nine. No, it's a completely original Seven of Nine figure. You know, again, all of these figures come with certain accessories. Nothing too exciting. You know, nothing too crazy. And 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 I like to display them really with the least amount of accessories as possible in terms of I'd really rather not have them hold anything because most of them have some kind of cybernetic attachment already, you know, built into their... Their, their body, so that kind of works. Uh, and again, the, the, the Seven of Nine figure is great. Now, we then move to the Voyager series of figures because, again, we were at a point where they were running single lines, but I guess at a certain point is when they started to mesh them all. But a few years before this previous line we just talked about, there was an actual Voyager-only series of figures. And this one ran from 95 through 96, so it's the previous couple of years. In that series... You know, and again, this is because it's Voyager only, it is packaged as Voyager. They don't try to encompass all the lines into one shot. You go through the, you know, your basic assortment of characters from Voyager. And granted, Seven of Nine came a little bit later. Uh, so you go through the first wave of all regular characters. You go through the second wave of all regular characters. But no Seven of Nines. The classic movie line also had, again, they tried to encompass as many classic characters into that line before they also spun off into the individual ones, you know, the, the combined ones. So that's a, that's a pretty cool one now. A lot of, a lot of you know, classic uh, movie characters. There were also a number of box sets that you can get one character that's exclusive, but again, we're not really going deep into that at this point. We're still hunting for Borg-looking stuff exclusives with Spencer Gifts, for example, you know, a lot of mail-away kind of stuff. They also had the Starfleet Academy figures. Again, repackaged heads with generic bizarro bodies. <laughs> I think they came from, you could get these for, for a CD-ROM. Now, as part of these exclusives that you sometimes were able to get, there were a few that required, you know, Target, for example, has, ex this is, happens to all the lines. When a line gets very popular, a certain store wants to, to have an exclusive, especially for them. And and it's nothing unusual. It happens. It, it, it angers the collectors. And that's one of the problems that this line had. And I remember reading about it or hearing about it in one of those, um, the Toys That Made Us documentaries. They were saying that even though this was the most successful Star Trek line ever made, part of its downfall, part of its contributed downfall, other than the usual just, you know, people just becoming uninterested with the product... It did not help, let's put it that way, it did not help when you had certain exclusives that were practically impossible to get. 
target had a seven of nine. Now, if you remember, seven of nine had a number of different outfits throughout the show, and the show was criticized, I would say possibly rightly so, because they were trying to, you know, give you a little bit of the cheesecake factor, if you will, or the, you know, they were definitely taking advantage of how that actress was such a very good-looking actress, and they were putting her in these super, super insanely tight-fitting costumes after she became deborgified, de- if you will. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure if I'm right, but I think, I think I'm, if I remember it right, one of her first costumes was the silver outfit. So they did create, a, a brand, again, another brand-new sculpt, super skin-tight outfit. You can, you know, you can kind of tell... Uh, but again, it's not the figure's fault. It's the character's fault. The, 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 that's the design of the outfit they gave her. It was a super, you know, kind of sexy outfit. The figure matched it perfectly. Now, her face now looks a lot better than the Borg face. Granted, again, the Borg face is supposed to look kind of disfigured and everything. But for this particular one, now she has, you know, more of a human look to it. She still has some cybernetic implants left in her which kind of stayed through the show she does have the thing in in her over one of her eyes and i believe her hand has like some kind of mesh borg thing still attached to the hand because uh, i believe the episodes as as she progressed but again it took it took um it was pretty quick episode wise how they slowly started removing her borg implants until they finished you know and and they they settled on what the look was going to be like but as we move to these lines, they also came out with a brown, uh, I don't know if you want to call it brown or purple, somewhere between purple and brown color version of the outfit, which is, you know, they got her off of the silver mylar looking thing, and they gave her a little more of a jumpsuit, but it's still super, super skin tight. The mold is exactly the same except for the uh, the neck area. They opened up the neck a little bit more. And then they also put out, uh, you know, another exclusive, which was super, super extra crazy hard to find. Which is, again, the same mold, but in blue. Now, this purple one I'm talking about, that one was a Toy Fair exclusive. So, it's really, it was really interesting how <laughs> these exclusives were going, you know, into so many different places. And this one wasn't even a carded one. I believe this one came in a little box, the purple one. The blue one was carded, but the blue one, I think, is listed as an international exclusive. Uh, which was super hard to find. And this particular figure, again, same from as far as I can tell, is the same package uh, figure except painted blue. It's a repaint, same mold, just painted blue. I, I honestly don't even remember all the different costumes she had. And I don't remember if there were any difference in the costumes. I don't remember if it was just a different color. Uh, but as far as the asking figures go, you go from purple to blue, no difference except for color. The blue one is kind of like my uh, my white whale because... Back then, I remember I was trying to hunt this figure down. It was impossible because I could only order it. I think I'm going to assume eBay because I think I was I was crazy eBay back then already. Uh, however, I don't think PayPal was something back then. So the problem with eBay was that you had to pay in the early stages of eBay. You have to mail uh, in a check or or something. And this particular figure that I found for sale again, I couldn't I couldn't swear to it that if it was really eBay or not, but. It, you had to mail a postal check, a, a bank check, a what's it called? A, a money order. That was a money order. I had to mail a money order. And I don't think I've ever done that before to pay for an action figure, you know. And it was a little expensive. It was probably the most I've ever spent on an action figure at that time. And after a while, guess what? I never got that figure. I got scammed. 
I don't know if the um, if the figure never existed. I don't know if they ever mailed it to me. I don't know if it was lost in the mail. I don't know what happened. But bottom line was that I was scammed. I couldn't figure out how to retrieve the money because I guess with a money order, once you cash it, it's gone. This is, again, this is an eBay, you know, PayPal eBay, where you can have all these type of protection features that you do now, you know, when somebody doesn't pay. But yeah. This is the figure that I was never able to get. There might have been some other ones because I know that I've created, I've customized, like there were some figures that were so hard to get that I customized them myself. And if I think about it, really, this particular figure, I could buy another purple one and just repaint it because I've done that before. There's the red data. Uh, I remember I couldn't get a red data. It was hard to get. I painted one myself and there was a Cisco, I think. I forget it. I think it was a... Was it a, a dress uniform Cisco or something? One of these crazy exclusives that are impossible to get, or maybe a, a, a regular dress Cisco, uh, where, where I, I just made one myself. I took like the body of a, I don't know, Picard or Riker or something and put a Cisco head on and put Cisco arms on him and sort of uh, kind of cobbled together my own Cisco. Again, with that said, there were also some other crazy mail away, but that kind of brings us to the end of the four and a half inch, if, if, that, if that's even what I, it was that we were calling them, line of figures. Now, let's now talk about briefly about the six-inch line, which was exclusively done for First Contact. When First Contact came out, for some reason, they decided to make the figures bigger. Now, this is 1996. You have your entire cast, your main cast, let's say, and one of them includes a Borg. Now, because we're dealing with a movie, I guess they decided to kind of amp up the size which is, you know, it was annoying. It's annoying when, when they do something like that for, for a collector. And again, this could also be part of the reason why, you know, the Playmates line uh, started to suffer. Because, yeah, this is the problem. Now you're changing sizes. You're changing scales. How much does it affect the collector? It depends. It depends on how crazy of a collector you are. But one of the figures is a Borg, a generic Borg. Not a special Borg. Amazingly, the Queen is not part of this line. You know, you have all your major... Starfleet characters and non-Starfleet characters and a generic Borg. So I don't know if the plan was to create a Wave 2 at some point. Maybe the the, the Queen, uh, you know, the Borg Queen that later was released as a as a 4-inch figure. You know, I guess they, they realized they made a mistake and they, they needed to supplement the very important characters. But especially probably might have had something to do with the fact that they did bring that character back to... I could be wrong, but I think it was Voyager. I think the character made it back to Voyager at some point. I don't remember if it was played by the same actress or not. It doesn't matter at this point. The point is that maybe the excuse was that, even though it is packaged as First Contact, Borg Queen. But here, you know, they do give you a Borg. I don't remember. It does have a base, which is funny because they use the same kind of base as they did with the original Borg figures, except it's a lot larger. Same color scheme and everything. They no longer has the word Borg on it. Okay, fine. It does come with an accessory, which is a, a scanner, surgical grafting tool. But I think it's attached to his, uh, it's already attached to his arm. So, you know, not, not, not too many accessories, just a basic, great sculpt, great looking figure. Uh, again, because it's larger, they could do so much more detail and it, it looks much more in scale. Remember, the original Borg figures, uh, one of the things I was complaining about, they were too beefy. They were too uh, He-Man-ish, if you will. They suffered from the Star Wars uh, syndrome, <laughs> the 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 modern Star Wars syndrome. Initially, I don't know what I don't know. I don't understand why they went crazy. I mean, He Man was already gone and you know completely gone. Why? Where was that influence coming from? Was it was it uh, wrestling figures? I don't know. I don't know why. But the 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 first uh, contact Borg. No, the the body proportions look more like an actor wearing a costume. It doesn't look so much like an over enhanced 
you know, kind of, uh, kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they could have done a, a second wave. I guess that maybe the plan was to do a second wave with the Borg Queen, maybe with a, a Vulcan character. I, I, you know, I don't remember the film that well at this point. I, I, I don't know what other characters you could have done. There is a Picard in an astronaut, you know, in the, the environmental suit. Uh, you can remove the helmet and his head is there. So they could have done, I guess, a couple of other characters in that. The, I forget the, the 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 lieutenant that becomes Borgified or whatever his name is. I forget the actor. He's he's in everything. Uh, uh, the blonde guy with the blue eyes. He, they could have made him. He was a eh, somewhat memorable character. Uh, but not whatever, you know. I guess the, 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 the plans were there, but they just didn't come through. And they then went and created another wave of these six-inch figures. Not specifically First Contact, but... They basically added other, what you can call classic characters in that six-inch line to see if, I guess, maybe enticing people into possibly, you know, going further with this six-inch line. Are they ready to switch? Remember, Star Wars did that too uh, recently. Well, within the last couple of years. They moved from the three and three-quarter to the six-inch line. Well, Playmates was kind of dabbling with that. Can they get people to all of a sudden now start rebuying everything in a six-inch level? And they did put out a couple, and they did basically repackage this first contact Borg. They gave him like a new uh, accessory into a carded six-inch figure. And they did a number of these. They did a number of characters. And I remember, I think I bought only the ones that were never made in the smaller scale. Because I didn't want to fall for that, you know. But at that point, you know, I'm not really that into it anymore, to tell you the truth. it's The, the, the line is dying at this point. There's also a line called the Space Talk series, which... Seems to have a Borg. I don't know exactly. They're seven inches long. I don't remember ever seeing these. I don't know where the hell they came from, but there is a Borg, and I'm looking at it, and it looks pretty damn good. That's one I might consider maybe looking around to see if I could find them. Because, I mean, he looks a little bit like the, 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 it is a Playmates figure, obviously. It's just a way larger line. Again, you know, these lines are just crazy how they kind of move on forward and forward. They also had an Alien Combat line series, which I could be wrong, but I believe I have the Klingon version of it. But there was also a Borg drone version of it, which is a super beefy, crazy looking Borg figure that I, I you know, again, they were so out of proportion that I, I kind of said, nah, that's all right. I'm not going to get into this. You know, it's hard enough keeping up with the smaller stuff. They did put out a doll series, which again, I didn't touch those. And there was a Borg version, you know, a doll Borg version. Didn't get into that. Again, I, I tried not to cross series because it's just, a, it's such a heavy commitment to be able to jump from one line to another, you know. I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole, that's for sure. They also made a 12-inch version of the dolls. Uh, the only one I can see right now is really a 7 of 9 version, and, you know, not the fully Borgified kind. And they put out some statues too, which again, yeah, there are some Borgy looking things in there, but again... Nowhere near that. I never got anywhere close to that. Now then, the final set of Borg figures that I have, which I also bought, I guess, a very long time ago. These are a little larger now. We're talking about a company called Art Asylum. And Art Asylum, I don't remember if they're connected to McFarland, but they're kind of around that time of McFarland's. They're super, super detailed. I would say a little beefier than usual. Uh, so there is a little difference in terms of you know, the proportions of the body. I don't think it's as crazy as that other one I mentioned a few minutes ago that was like the like the Klingon one. They did a Borg one, which is super crazy. Like, the guy's as wide as he is tall. That's how beefy they made him. These are a little beefy, but the detail is so great. They put out three figures. They're, they're tall. They're, they're, they're a little uh, larger than usual. I would say they're about 
eight inches tall. Yeah, it's uh, maybe even more, maybe nine inches tall. They're taller than the first contact figure, that's for sure. Incredibly articulated, amazingly articulated. There's so much movement in this thing. So many hoses, so many parts to it. Uh, they're fantastic. They, it's basically three different Borgs. One is a Cardassian Borg. The other one is a Hyrogen Borg. And the other one is a Klingon Borg. They're all different. They're, they're not repeats of each other, which is great. I hate it when they just repaint something. What's interesting is that the Hyrogen Borg is a special figure if you think about it, because I believe they never bothered to make a Hyrogen figure. So this was the only way that you can kind of introduce, you know, this kind of race, alien race into Star Trek, you know, you were not able to do in the past. So that's kind of neat. Like I said before, these are very super articulated. I think they almost have 17 points, somewhere between eight or nine inches tall. Uh, they all were sold separately and they kind of fit, you know, it's a good progression, if you will, in terms of, you know, you see your Playmates ones and then you see how these other company tackled the Borg. Obviously, they went a little overboard. You know, the proportions are a little too big, but, you know, they did a good job as far as I'm concerned. And that was the end of the line. That was the end of the the Borg collection line. Now, don't get me wrong. There have been companies beyond and currently that are kind of still trying to figure it out. They're still trying to put out. I think McFarlane might be involved a little bit sometimes. He, he keeps popping up. McFarlane keeps popping up, you know, everywhere you go with different lines, you know, losing and getting the rights, uh, you know, the licenses and stuff. But it's good to kind of start this chat about Playmate figures or Star Trek Voyager figures because um, when it comes to the Borg, you can kind of narrow it down to a little bit more of what we're talking about. And you can actually see the progression you know, there's always a progression with these things. And, and it's a good thing that this is finally a company that was able to grab that and run with it because the other companies had not been successful at that. All the other companies, they started and they stopped. They started and they stopped. And even Hasbro, which is like the king of all this stuff, gave it a shot and could not seal the deal. They could not move beyond, you know, their initial attempt at running with, with the Star Trek line, with, especially with Next Generation. But yeah, Playmates was a monster when it came to this. And, and Playmates would always be my, my holy smokes. This is what happens when you kind of lose control. <laughs> when you do become a completist and when you attempt to become a completist, let's put it that way. But we will continue this exploration into Playmates Star Trek figures in the future. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. As I mentioned earlier, this is a little different than what you're used to. And we will see if we can continue doing this. However... As it happens many times on our show, uh, as we're doing the post-production of the show, uh, we start finding out more information and more information. And as I mentioned during the previous segment, that there were a couple of Star Trek-related Borg action figures, uh, specifically Playmates, that I never bothered getting. Well, guess what? In between the time that I started editing this and now, I got them because they were. I was just so curious about them. The first one is the Space Talk series one that I mentioned before. This was apparently a, a wave of trying to get these figures to talk. Kind of weird, kind of cheesy if you think about it, but they did it. I picked up the Borg one, I ordered it on eBay, very cheap. And I would say size-wise, it's bigger than the first contact one. Not as big as the assimilation crazy big ones. Um... Detail-wise, is not as detailed as the first contact one. The first contact one is super, super detailed, and so are the other big ones. 
This one, just because it's a little bigger, they didn't necessarily go crazy with the detail. It resembles a little bit more the traditional original Borg figure. There were a number of figures included in this series, uh, and they all talked. You press a button in the back, but I just happen to have the Borg one here. Uh, listen to what he says. You must comply. You must comply. We are the Borg. Freedom is irrelevant. Freedom is irrelevant. You must comply. And then we're back to we must comply. It's cute. It's gimmicky. I can see why they didn't go beyond the initial, I don't know, four, three or four uh, figures they did. Uh, but what's really bizarre is the fact that you don't get the more known catchphrase, which is resistance is futile. Really odd that they didn't add that with this figure. The next one that I picked up is the Alien Combat Series 9-inch uh, Borg. Now, this is the one that you saw in the pictures earlier, and you're going to see it now. It is just massive. It is the biggest of all of them. It is about 9 inches tall. Um, it is super, like, on steroids kind of design. If you thought the Assimilation ones were over the top, this one is even more over the top. It's bigger. And like I said, it is just massive. The detail is incredible. When you see these pictures, they're just so rich. You know how good they look. Um, this was also part of a two-figure uh, release, which one was a Klingon, which I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it earlier. Again, super beefy, out of this world, gigantic size Klingon. And this one was the Borg version. Again, very nice looking, you know, for a figure, and, and as you see the progression of how they get bigger and better, the bigger they are, the more detail you can add. So that's very, very helpful, you know, when it comes to figures. Now, another thing I want to add is that at the assimilation line, the, uh, the those three figure assimilation lines, I did read somewhere in one of these websites that they were going to produce, or they were thinking of producing, a Ferengi version of it, which... You might say, okay, well, that's good. Another alien species that gets assimilated. But I think if you really think about it, the Ferengi are kind of short, shorter than the humans or the other aliens. So it might have looked a little weird to have these really big, big, beefy, tall, you know, um, assimilated races. And then a little tiny one next to it. I think it would have just looked strange, the the size difference. Because the, you got to remember also that the Ferengi... I know they were supposed to be the bad guys, the new bad guys originally, but the, after a while, they kind of turned into comic relief characters. So I don't think it would have worked. Now, granted, obviously, the line only went three figures and that's it. Just like anything else, if it would have gone longer, they could have gone crazy with it and done so many different races. But yeah, if, if, if they would have released a fourth one and they would have been the Ferengi one, it would have been pretty odd looking, I'm pretty sure. Now, another thing I like to mention about the original figures, the, the, the smaller Playmates, and this is something of a way of adding something new to the figure. So, for example, articulation is nothing new. Articulation has always been around. The more, the better. We get it. Detailed, we get it. One of the things they added to these figures was a number. Every figure had a distinct number under its foot, and... The way that it worked was basically the lower the number, the better. So theoretically, if you were selling or reselling these figures, the low number ones would be more expensive than the high number ones. I've never got into that whole thing. It was just too crazy to collect in that manner. But it does have that 
that I hadn't seen before, and I'm pretty sure I haven't seen since. With the original figures, the other thing also to remember is that they came with a lot of accessories. And as you've probably seen in the pictures that I've had, I don't put a lot of accessories on them. And the reason that I didn't go crazy with the accessories is because they were downright bad. They were awful in terms of uh, coloring. The, the sculpting was great. They looked fantastic. They did a good job sculpting all kinds of different accessories. But most likely in order to save money, what they did was uh, they, they manufactured them uh, with one single color, a lot of them. So, for example, you'll have a uh, a backpack that's pink or neon green or orange or blue. They did not replicate the colors of the actual items. You might have weapons that are orange or purple, where in reality they were never that color. So, I kind of quickly did set aside all of my weapons. Unfortunately, I have a feeling at some point I might have thrown them out because I was so disappointed by them. Uh, any weapons that were black or, or silver, I, I would keep, obviously, because they kind of match. And I actually went and colored some of the original weapons to give them a little more of a highlight and a little more detail. But, you know, you have a disruptor, a Klingon disruptor that's like green, neon green. No, I couldn't do that. I, I, I had to set those aside. So unfortunately, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of those. The other thing they did that was pretty awful. I mean, I get it. They're trying to make things different. The phasers, at least many of the original phasers, they came with a beam protruding out of the phaser built into it, you know, plastic. So you, when you have an action pose and you see the phaser firing the laser, you can actually see the laser. To me, that looked awful. So one other thing I did was I started clipping all the laser bolts out of the phasers. So if you see any of mine, you just have a phaser without a laser bolt coming out of it. So again, that's just me. That's one of the reasons, I think, why I didn't keep a lot of the original accessories. I just got rid of them. Another thing that is interesting that you might have noticed in the, the, that main picture I have of all of the Borgs together is that I do have a Borg cube and what looks like a Borg sphere. The Borg cube that I have on display there is really a micromachine Borg cube. But the sphere was never made as a micromachine, so I kind of used the Death Star. Kind of tilted over to the side so you don't see the dish to kind of make it look like the, the, the Borg sphere, but it's really not. Those two were made, I believe, uh, as a larger um, ship, you know, Playmates ship uh, for, you know, to, to go along with the toys, uh, you know, at the same time. But they were never, you know, in the Micro Machine world. Two websites that I would strongly recommend you guys, if you're interested in Playmates, specifically Star Trek Playmates, uh, that really, really were very helpful in doing all the research for this episode. One of them is called upcloseandplastic.blogspot.com. This is a great resource. It has a ton of not only um, action figure related uh, material, uh, information, pictures, but also ads, a lot of ads having to do with all the different waves that came and all the different cards and all that kind of stuff. Excellent, excellent website. You guys should definitely check it out. The other one is called Wixiband, W-I-X-I-B-A-N.com. This one has basically wave by wave, card by card, uh, photos and information on 
just about every single figure that came out under the Playmates banner having to do with Star Trek. And not just the uh, the, the smaller 4-inch ones, but the larger ones and the ships and the dolls and all that information. Those two sites, essential, unbelievable the amount of work that they've done in those websites and how helpful they were in putting together this episode. All right, well, this brings us to the end of today's episode. As I mentioned earlier, you might see some of these again. Not as frequent. Well, you know, this is a this is kind of like the guinea pig. You know, we're kind of learning as we go along to see how this works. So on behalf of everybody here, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you here soon at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. Welcome to the promenade. Humble Quark at your service. Behold, Star Trek Deep Space Nine action figures. Commander Benjamin Sisko, he helps me run the station. And Security Chief Odo, very strict and sneaky for someone so honest. Here's Lieutenant Dax, and Chief O'Brien, and Major Kira Nerys. I happen to know she's crazy about me. Wonderful, aren't they? Especially this one. So handsome. Pains me to part with it, but if you pay me now... Ah, security. What a pleasant surprise. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2019. <laughs>